Welcome to Bellies, Babies, and Birth. My name is Amy Vanderlinden, and I'm a physical therapist specializing in pelvic health and myofascial work. I have a passion for helping women thrive throughout pregnancy, delivery, and that postpartum period so that they can get back to the activities they love. This podcast is to help provide education and resources and also to build community, particularly here in the Phoenix Valley. Enjoy! All right, you guys, I just want to welcome you back to another episode of Bellies, Babies, and Birth, a podcast really just for women, for moms, and uh, to build community, especially here in Phoenix. And today, I'm really excited. We've got a guest on I have not had before. Her name's Simone Wilder, and I'll let her tell you a little bit about herself. But I asked Simone, we've already been chatting, you guys, and I probably should have hit record before because we already hit some good stuff. We were both crying like... So um, I'm just really excited to give her the chance to share about her journey into motherhood and how that's been for her. Um, She's got a lot of things she could talk about, but um, Simone, why don't you just tell us a little bit about you and who you are and uh, what you've got going on in your life? Well, thank you for having me. First of all, um, I was really honored. I was really honored to be asked to be on this. I've uh, heard so many great things about this podcast. So it was really cool to be asked. Um, I do have a lot of things going on. I, um, my husband and I own a CrossFit gym, um, in Glendale and we also, um, own an insurance agency and then I'm a real estate agent and, um, I feel like we do all these things full time somehow. And, um, and then I recently became a mom. I have a three and a half week old baby boy. And so my whole life now is consumed by, uh, breast pumps and, uh, being at home and trying to answer emails and trying to go show houses and juggle everything while figuring out if, you know, if it's okay to take my baby outside and, you know, when does he need to eat? And all of a sudden he's eating more. And then now, you know, he acts like he's gassy or what. And I'm just, you know, I'm like in this, uh, motherhood world, uh, full fledged, uh, super early too. He was, he was about four weeks early. So everything happened a lot faster than we expected, but yeah, that's me. I'm just, uh, running a few businesses and trying to keep this little human from, uh, dying, keeping him alive. So, um, it's, uh, it's definitely a big challenge, but it's something that, you know, I'm really grateful to be able to do. Yeah, no big deal, right? When you're an entrepreneur, maternity leave doesn't even exist, right? So, right. Yeah, you try to like plan it out. I tried to plan my whole work thing around it. Like, okay, he's due on this day. So all of my deals are going to be closing here and I'll have my gym set up. And then four weeks early, my water breaks. And it's like, cool. You know, I guess I'm already operating on this little human schedule now. That is definitely how it goes. (laughs) So like we were prefacing with, um, You guys, Simone shared something incredibly powerful on Facebook a couple of weeks ago, which is part of what prompted me to call her when I did. We'd been in touch before. Um, And like I said, there's so many amazing things that we could talk about um, that you have going on, but specifically in the the post, and if it's okay with her, we'll share it um, underneath the podcast link. But she just wrote a really vulnerable and incredible post about this journey into becoming a motherhood into becoming a motherhood, into motherhood and becoming a mom. And we talked about, um, there's so many things within motherhood and within pelvic health and within womanhood that we don't talk about. 
but this piece specifically that you hit so beautifully on Simone of the baby's born and now what, you know, now what about my body? Now what about these hormones? Now what about my emotions? Now what about my sleep and my relationship with my husband? And sometimes even if you've already had a child, now what about my relationship with my first child or my first three children? And so just go ahead. It's fresh. Like you wrote that a week and a half, two weeks ago. So today's probably a whole new day, but what, what's your journey into motherhood today? Um, well, it's, uh, it's ever evolving. Like you kind of said, every day seems to be a little bit different. And, um, you know, during when I wrote that, when I wrote that post, it was definitely a time where I was feeling a lot more challenged about it than I am today. Um, so, you know, that's, and I'm sure that's probably pretty normal, uh, for most people to have ebbs and flows of, of how things are going. Um, but for me, it's, uh, it's definitely been a big change from what my life used to be. And I'm still contemplating what that means for me and how, I, how do I feel about it and how am I supposed to feel about it? And, um, you know, relating even to my husband and how I ask him a lot, like, what's this like for you? You know, do you experience this the same way I experience it? Um, for me, it's just, it's a lot of sacrifice and a lot more sacrifice than I thought it would be. I am 34. It took me a long time to get pregnant. I went through um, IVF. We went through four miscarriages before this baby. Uh, we tried to have a baby for about two years, two and a half years, uh, with all the miscarriages, uns obviously unsuccessfully before we went through IVF. And, um, you know, in your mind, you build up what this is going to be like, what, especially I think when you go through something like that, because your entire goal is to get to this baby, right? So everything about what you're working for is to get that positive pregnancy test. And then for us to have it stick to meet milestones, you know, to hear your heartbeat, then to have, you know, your first successful anatomy scan to, you know, having everything check out to giving birth. And then all of a sudden you have this baby and it's supposed to be like this most wonderful thing. And it is the most wonderful thing, but there is this other side that I never heard anyone really talk about, which is you give up so much of who you are immediately. And it's not necessarily the best thing that's ever happened, that part. So, and I even, I feel myself like trying to censor myself when I say that because I don't want to be like perceived in a certain way. And I'm trying to like not feed into that. Um, I'm trying to be the most like authentic person I can right now. But, you know, for me, I'm 34. I was running three businesses rather well. My husband and I are movers and shakers. We go out whenever we want. We go, you know, we would do like Friday day date. We would go get cocktails every Friday and, and go to new restaurants and do whatever we wanted and live a certain life. And then all of a sudden it's like, nope, none of that. It's this baby pretty much governs everything that you do. And you love the baby, but you also miss your old life and you miss like the freedom, like miss being able to just like get up and go to the gym and not think about it or miss being able to get up and go for a run and not have to like prepare an entire like process and plan just to be able to like step out the door. And then when you're halfway out the door, all of a sudden, you know, a diaper explodes or, you know, a baby starts screaming or something. So, um, 
you know, I think for me, it's just been an adjustment trying to um, give myself permission to like feel maybe, maybe it's selfish. I don't know, like selfishly sad about that part never being a thing anymore for me, or at least until he's, you know, old enough to (laughs) take care of himself. Right. Um, But also, you know, having the ability to appreciate being able to be him for the first time and everything that we went through to, to have our baby and, and, you know, the absolute miracle that he is. I mean, the fact that we even had him was pretty crazy just based on our, our whole IVF process. So um, I feel like I'm rambling, but that that's kind of what I was trying to get at when I wrote that post. And that's what I was feeling at the time and still feel very much today. Well, and like we were touching on before I officially started, there's so many, you know, we like you said, we go through so much. So some women go get pregnant almost on accident. Right. And some women go through so much to get pregnant. And regardless of how that goes, we then spend so much energy on the pregnancy and preparing for delivery, which in the grand scheme of things, very significant. We got to get mom and baby both through that in a healthy way. But in the grand right. scheme of things, such an itty bitty blip. Right. And then, like you said, everything is different. And in your, in your post, you'd referenced you know, your old body and your new body. And regardless of the changes, that will never be the same again. You know, we've got this image and language in our society of bounce back or get back to my old self. And I've even used that with clients because a big part of what I have the privilege of doing is helping them feel like themselves again. Right. It's never that old self. Right. And I would love for you to highlight, I mean, again, you can only share from your own experience and that's all I want, but I think I've noticed um, in my client base that sometimes for people that are athletes, not even necessarily CrossFitters, they're notoriously hardcore, but CrossFitters, runners, people that just love to work out in the gym for their stress relief, all of it, I think have in a way, even though their bodies often do bounce back or heal more so and you know regain that strength I think they struggle with what they perceive to be limitations even more than anyone else and so can you share a bit about that because you're a pretty hardcore crossfitter um yeah I was I was a pretty hardcore crossfitter a couple years honestly before I started IVF and the whole process of trying to get pregnant and the multiple we did a couple of fertility treatments before IVF um so I slowed down quite a bit over the past couple of years before I ended up getting pregnant, but I was a runner. Um, that's probably more my, I probably more identify as a runner than, than a CrossFitter even today. Um, and I will tell you that I absolutely loved my old body. Um, I had, I was a very heavy child. Um, and so my, my, actually the joke in my family is that, uh, at my heaviest pregnancy weight, it still wasn't my heaviest childhood weight. <laughs> so I was, um, you know, I was, I was pretty heavy as a kid. And my dad was the one who started me on a fitness journey. He's always been pretty health conscious. And he got me out running the day before Thanksgiving when I was 13 years old. He forced me to start running. And it was the worst possible thing that could happen to me. I hated it, hated him for it. But I, I eventually took to it. And from, you know, pretty early teens on, until my late twenties, I was running, you know, 50 miles a week easy. Um, I was extremely 
uh, lean and small and just, I was fit and there's a feeling of feeling so capable. I think that's what, I think that's what it is. It's just like when your body feels so connected and capable of whatever it is you're asking it to do, um, it's a great feeling. And it's just, for me, I didn't really realize how empowering that was for me and how much that informed my entire kind of being and personality. Um, and then when I added in CrossFit back, I think it was 26 when I started CrossFit, maybe I really became, you know, super empowered. I ended up quitting a job. I ended up leaving a marriage. I ended up, you know, starting a business. It, it kind of, you know, shaped that. And a lot of it had to do with the physical empowerment I felt from adding CrossFit to my already, you know, pretty intense running, um, regimen. So all of a sudden you add in this pregnancy and, um, well, first of all, you add in the hormones from IVF and doing IUIs and, and also just depression from, you know, having multiple miscarriages and then, you know, feeling like a piece of shit and like, why am I the worst? Like my, my girlfriend blinks and she's pregnant by accident yet. I can't figure this out. However, I am, you know, the fittest person I know and I eat well and I do all the right things yet. This isn't working for me. Um, so, you know, you end up kind of spiraling a little bit. And then when you finally get pregnant, it's, you have all these stories from your girlfriends, like, I loved being pregnant. It's the best, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, this is not the best. I do not feel great. Uh, I feel fat as fuck one. I don't like having real boobs. I really enjoyed not having boobs. Now I have them. I, you know, don't like feeling tired. I'm sick to my stomach all the time. All I want to eat is cup of noodles, which isn't particularly, uh, you know, healthy. And then like you're reading Shape Magazine and it's like fit pregnancy. You know, ladies are making like Greek yogurt smoothies and it's like, I can't even stomach the thought of eating that, nor do I have the energy to pull my blender out of the back of my pantry to do that shit. So I guess I'm just going to eat this cup of noodles that I found here at the gas station. And it just turns into like this thing where you start wondering, like, am I defective? Like, what's wrong with me? How come I'm not relating so well to this? Um, and am I ungrateful? You know, like for me, that was a lot of it was, you know, I worked so hard for this. I cried for this baby. I prayed for this baby. I did everything to have this baby. And now I'm like, not really liking this. And what the fuck? Like, this isn't how it's supposed to be. And it, it really, that's what it boils down to is it's a lot of like, what is this supposed to be? And why do I think it's supposed to be something? Who says it's supposed to be this thing? You know, this magazine told me this, or my girlfriend told me this. And for me, it wasn't that, you know, it was not feeling great, getting heavier, seeing the pounds come on when I'm used to like, weighing a hundred uh, under 120 pounds all the time. Now I'm 150 pounds. You know, it's just, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to digest. And now that I've had him, you know, my body has quote unquote started to bounce back like a lot of athletes do, but you know, like it's not the same, you know, I already can tell like my waist is definitely thicker and it's going to be harder for it to like shrink back down to what it was. If it ever will, I am like, huge like my boobs are huge and that's not a positive thing for me you know I never wanted to that wasn't something I was seeking out I didn't want free implants you know like all of a sudden I'm walking around with this huge chest and you know when I'm running I feel really heavy you know you feel your body kind of sloppy like you're just like 
wow, this is great, you know, in a sarcastic tone. Um, and so it's just, it's, it's this experience. I think as an athlete, you, you are so connected with your, who, who you, who you define yourself to be is so connected to how you feel in your body and how you feel in your body intrinsically is different now. It's like your DNA is not the same anymore. And having to adjust to that, I think is a fact of life and will be a growth experience for sure. But it's definitely a surprise because nobody talks about that. You know, nobody brings that part up of like, Hey, it might not be like what they say it is, you know, on a baby story on TLC. It might not feel that way. It might feel like shit. And you're going to have to learn how to relate to yourself in a different way because it it is not the same as it was before. So that's, that's at least been my feeling about it. Well, I thank you for your honesty and I don't know how to bleep this. So just deal people. Um, oh, I'm so we, sorry. This no, is thing I, like, I, I, I am not rated no, G or PG 13. Unfortunately, no, that's totally fine. My clients know me. I've definitely been known to drop some F bombs here and there. I love that you use the word capable. And the other thing I heard from you was that struggle with identity. And I think that is the piece that sometimes athletes have a harder time with because their identity gets wrapped up in, in that. And no matter whether you're an athlete or not, we all have those things that we let define us. We have those things that are our identity, whatever they may be, whether it's your profession, whether it's being a wife, whether it's being a mom, whether it's, you know, whatever thing that that is, whether it's being tall, you know, whatever your thing is, usually we have a few. I do think because of the impact in your body, that that identity piece, when that's tied to that, when your definition of healthy, when your definition of capable, and especially, I mean, the miscarriages just magnify everything, right? Like you feel like your body lets you down. Like you said, what's wrong right. with me? And I, Lord knows we do not need any help in this world thinking we are broken and thinking right. there's something wrong with us and thinking we are not enough. Like there right. are just messages plentiful that we are not enough, whatever that enough thing is. And I think in my work with women, it's hard too, because, you know, even though in hindsight, I know so many of these things, because not everyone has the same experience, you don't want to speak that over them. Like I wouldn't have said to you like, Hey, heads up, you might hate this. (laughs) I wouldn't have wanted to speak that over you yet at the same time, what are your thoughts on how as a tribe, as women, as community, that's one of the blessings of CrossFit is we have such amazing community, but I know there's a lot of us too working to build more community in, in the Valley moms groups, different things. How can we, now that you're on the other side of it a little bit, how can we help fill that gap as moms are preparing? How can we, you know, birth classes are great and they're necessary and women need a lot more help with breastfeeding and knowing how to take care of baby and themselves after But now that there is a bit of awakening about the fourth trimester and awakening of that needing to be about the mom and about this transformation that is unavoidable, whatever that ends up looking like, it's unavoidable. How can we fill that gap and provide that piece that, because the nice thing is, no, your body won't ever be exactly the same, but there's so much power a lot of its perspective, but there's so much power and capable, like you built an entire life in there. 
and returning to capable, returning to having a high capacity is completely possible. But in that in-between, Simone, how do we give that grace to feel what you're feeling and not have to suddenly feel capable, not have to be okay with everything, not have to be joy-filled and grateful, which you are, but yet there's the other piece. Right. Now I'm rambling, but you get what I'm saying. I do. And I, you know, I don't know if I know like the, the exact answer to that. I just know that you know, for me, my, one of the things that's been a, been an ongoing challenge for me as a new mom is, you know, it is a, you do feel very self-conscious about being a mom because everyone is a mom around you. So you're automatically sort of like the junior executive at the new firm that you're working at. Right. And you're trying to learn what this is and what you're going to do. And you have a lot of people watching you. And, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a part of my community. And then I, you know, I, I have a couple of businesses. So I know a lot of people and I was raised here in Phoenix. So, you know, my entire childhood, all my friends are here too. So there's a lot of people who are just sort of watching and, you know, and then I put my life out there a lot. And I talk to a lot of people about just kind of real, really what I'm going through. Um, and it is easy to feel like, you know, a failure if you're not doing the thing that the other girl on online is doing or doing or able to do the Pinterest blog idea that you just saw. Um, or if you feel like how I was feeling like, man, this isn't as great as I thought it was going to be. I wonder if that means that I'm a bad mom and you know, I'm not a person with low self-esteem. And so it's not normal. That's not a normal pathway of thought for me. So the fact that I was feeling that way, I know means that a lot of women have to be feeling that way probably a lot more than I do on a regular basis. So I think it's just having some way of having some like authentic conversation about what really goes on versus this, you know, glorified kind of magical, whimsical other thing that is out there that sort of isn't informing us and how we're supposed to be um, or how we're supposed to feel. Because when you start not measuring up to that, you automatically start feeling inadequate and you automatically start feeling incapable. And, you know, if you're not really self-aware, you can slip into wanting to either keep up with the Joneses or, depression or whatever thing that can start happening when you feel like, man, like I just don't measure up even at the most natural thing, which is having a baby and being a mom, which should come naturally to you and should be your instinct to know how to do it as well. Which so, is complete crap. Can we just throw that out there? <laughs> that's like so, this, I mean, it's, it's yeah. so true. It's so, it's su it's such a, such a lie, at least for me. Um, well, and we have you know, instincts. And we have instincts. That part's true. And we do need help learning to trust them, though. And I've, I say all the time, like, there is nothing like parenting to make you second guess every choice you make all day long. Everything. Right. Diapers, bottles, breasts, like schools, uh, clothing, food, you know, all, all the things, the organic, the non-GMO, the natural soaps and household cleaners, like... Right. Just every possible thing in our environment, we're supposed to figure out and choose the best because we want the best for our babies. Right. Yeah. It's, it's too much for any human being. It is too much. And I think us having so much information at our fingertips at all times, 
um, is kind of detrimental in a way, um, in that way, because it is so much information and a lot of it is, it can be, you know, it can contradict each other and it also can, you know, bring, bring out critics and bring out very loud voices. You know, think about anytime someone even whispers vaccines online and what happens on Facebook posts, you know, if you, God forbid you, you know, mention you are, are not going to vaccinate your child and just see what happens, you know? So it's, um, I think going back to your question about like how to, how to create like a safe space to, to grow in this way. Um, I think it just boils down to having a group of people around you who keep it real, real, um, who are not interested in the pageantry of being a mom, but instead are like, yo, we're about survival. First of all, like this is us pretty much in boot camp. Like it's a lot like that. Uh, uncomfortable, not a lot of sleep. Uh, you're dirty a lot. (laughs) No, because when was the last time you had a chance to shower? You're covered in breast milk and baby poop. Um, and you're just pretty much struggling to survive for the first few weeks as this little person, you know, requires every bit of your life force to stay alive and to not be screaming his head off the whole time. Um, I think that would be probably, you know, one, at least the, the beginnings of what it could be. But I also think that women at least in my experience as a coach and in my gym, it, I think women really need to work on feeling confident in their authentic self. And that's like a huge thing that I talk about at my gym and with my athletes and just even with my friends and something I, I work on every single day is just being completely honest about what we're experiencing and how we're relating to the world. Because if you're not, then it's just so easy to slip into these roles that we're supposed to be playing and how we're supposed to be feeling. And that, I think, is just very detrimental and dangerous over time. I couldn't agree more. And I tell clients all the time, I was like, can you guys please, can we just not should on each other? Like, we don't need any more shoulds in this world. And all of these standards. And I mean, you you don't get to be the person you are. You don't get to where you've gotten by having low standards. And I think that, I know for me, like you, I don't struggle a lot with self-confidence, but yeah, parenting will make you doubt absolutely everything. Right. But you don't get to where we've gotten, you don't create your own businesses, you don't have success without having these standards way up here. And we're usually hardest on ourselves. Right. But at the same time, finding that balance between it's okay to want more. It's okay to push hard. It's okay to be driven. It's okay to be powerful. It's okay to be successful. It's okay to want things and have things. Yet at the same time, that grace for not today. I don't have it today. I don't have my A game. I don't have my C game today. And that grace for a a rest season. And I've learned, um, I actually did a blog post once. I think balance is a complete myth and not necessarily a helpful word or tool. I think rhythms are far more helpful. I think we have seasons of fruitfulness and seasons of pruning, seasons of rest and seasons of growth, seasons of work and seasons of play. And that's been a more helpful visual for me, I guess, rather than balance. 
And yeah, I mean, having friends that keep it real, um, you know, the fact that you grew up here and have family here is a blessing. And also, like you said, tons of people watching. Um, yeah, definitely part of what I'm trying to do is create a community, create safe space where we can have those conversations about what's real. And I think helping women know, first of all, the awareness for what their expectations even are, what they think it's going to be like, what their expectations of themselves are going to be like. And like you said, you had a plan. I'm a planner too. (laughs) My husband knows like, if, if you want to throw me off, like mess with the plan. Um, and so that all got upended for better, for worse, you know, and thankfully you're okay. And baby bears. Okay. And, um, but like you said, you know, when you, you reach that level of success, having these things, but if you could go back in time to maybe even just two months ago, what would have been some helpful, still encouraging, still empowering ways to help you set up expectations. I love talking to you because it's so fresh. Like he's not even, didn't you just say you just hit your due date? I saw that post. Yeah. Yesterday was our due date. Yeah. Right. So he's not even four weeks old, right? No, he's, he's a yeah. three weeks and a couple days old. Yeah. So I love uh, that it's so fresh for you. So like if, if you could go back just to maybe three months. Um, okay. So I think you, you sort of started talking about it with the planning, um, part. So I actually am, I am not a planner, uh, by nature. Um, so my instinct to plan was actually like a desperate, like that was an act of desperation of like, well, I guess I better plan this out because this is going to be a big deal. And it seems like people who have their shit together plan. So I'm going to plan. Um, and that was working against my better judgment or my better instinct. So I probably, uh, if I could go back and talk to myself, I probably would have just said, Hey girl, just be yourself. Cause your plan doesn't mean shit because I'll tell you right now, I can see into the future and your plan is literally moot. Uh, so don't even waste time on it. <laughs> um, if you, if you heard everything that happened leading up to his birth in that I sold my house uh, was planning to buy a new house. That house fell through, got under contract to buy a new house. And then two days after I think I got under contract to buy the new house, my water broke while I was living with my parents. Um, and so we spent the first two weeks of his life living in my childhood bedroom, sleeping on a full size bed uh, with my six foot four, 250 pound husband, uh, you know, just, that was the first two weeks before our house closed and then, you know, moving. So moving into our new house, getting everything back out of storage. I mean, that has been my life up until this past week. So this past week was the first week of like, I live in a house with a bed and things like his clothes are unpacked now and everything. So when, when I think about my plan, it makes me actually want to almost laugh out loud or, scream in terror because it definitely was completely off from the fact that my house fell through to him coming four weeks early to just every possible thing in between. Um, so I would say that. And I think the other thing I would say is, you know, don't, don't listen to what people say you're supposed to feel like. I mean, I think that's, I think that's probably like the number one thing I would say is, you're going to feel the way that you feel and that's all right. And 
you're going to be overwhelmed and being overwhelmed isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like it's okay to be knocked off your feet a little bit. I think like for a person like me, I am so, um, I don't know. I, I am so interested in being in control of my life and I anticipate and I try to anticipate every possible thing that could happen. So when things start going awry, you know, it could really freak me out and me being freaked out isn't a good state of mind, but it's also probably good for me every so often to have to be uncomfortable and have to feel like tears and, and freaked out and overwhelmed and all those things. And it's probably good to grow in that way. So instead of relating to it in a negative way and thinking, well, that makes me a failure or that means I'm weak or that means that you know, I'm not, I'm not prepared or whatever. It just probably means that's normal and <laughs> just be normal. And you're a normal woman at the end of the day, you know, you're a normal woman, you're a mom, and this is how all moms probably feel. And that's another thing It's just remembering, like, none of us are so special that our experience is so different than someone else's experience, you know? And I think sometimes yeah. we wrapped up in this like mindset of like, no, but for me and my feelings, my feelings are so unique to me. And like my vagina pain is so different than everyone. And it's like, no, it's probably not. Your vagina is probably just as fucked up as everyone else's after birth. And that's just normal. So when the doctor tells you this, that's probably just what it is. And just go with that thing. It's nothing special. So, so, you know, I think that just kind of keeping it, keeping things like within context and not letting yourself spin out and not being afraid of negative feelings um, and realizing that those negative feelings are probably a natural part of like a part of you is dying and that's mournful and it's okay to mourn. And it's, it's not something to be embarrassed of. You know, I made that post and that post was very much like me mourning, you know, and me saying it out loud and like, everybody was positive, right? Like nobody wrote me like, I'm calling CPS. You know, you're the world's worst mom. I read this and that's super ungrateful and super this and that. Nobody said that. Everyone was like, yo, I feel the exact same way. That's exactly how I feel now or I have felt or I still feel today. So yeah. I think that's, that's probably what I would say to myself if I had a, a chance to do back to the future style. Well, and your last sentence was, after all, in order to grow, some parts of us must die. And that's so true. And like you said, you know, having that chance to let the control freak in you get shook up, like reminded, I mean, in some ways it's un unnerving and unsettling to have all your plans and all your arrangements and everything be feel like so out of control. But at the same time, if we allow it, I think we can find a lot of peace in that we're not the ones in control. And that, like you said, the experience is probably a lot more normal than we realize. And, you know, we don't grow when we're just cruising along in our comfort zone. And I mean, I think, I think one thing that can be hard, and I think this part would probably be easy to start talking about a lot more, is that you're for sure going to be out of your comfort zone in right. a million different ways. You're for sure not going to have control over all of the things, the routine right. Like you said, the getting out of the house, how your body feels, your milk coming in, how breastfeeding goes. I work a lot with lip and tongue tie babies and those mamas have a whole other set of stuff that hits the fan that they weren't prepared to have hit the fan Right. where even breastfeeding doesn't go correctly and all this other stuff that they have to do for themselves and baby. And 
so yeah, the, the overwhelm is, is real. And I think, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, I'm creating this new space. If we ever get open, won't tangent onto that, but being in community, being around other women, um, that are pregnant and or postpartum within the last year, we can just share more of those experiences and let more of the things just be okay and have knowledge and information available from an experience standpoint, yet not be judging, oh, well, well, you should be doing it this way. Because again, I'm not interested in women shooting on themselves anymore. Um, And there are a lot of right ways. I think that's an important reminder. There's a lot of right ways to keep baby alive. There are a lot of right ways to manage to score a shower. There are a lot of right ways to let your body heal. And, um, you know, doing pelvic health, like, you know, Sarah too, a big part of what we try to do is educate women on what they don't have to just suffer with, what they don't have to just deal with. Like, yeah, some of that badge pain, the swelling, the tissue healing, you know, that is normal and there is healing and it's harder because we can't see in there. We can't see how inflamed or bruised or swollen things are. And so we just go on with what we know. And so, you know, you know, better, you can do better, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, we've got it. We've got to know better and do better at filling those gaps for each other at stepping into those places of, I see you and it's going to be okay and you'll figure it out and we're here with you while you do that and you get to forge your own path and um yeah it's all so so important and i loved what you shared too like you kind of you kind of wrapped it up within your like you started and you're grieving and i think that's so valuable um to recognize what's lost and i think here's one piece i'm actually getting around to another question. Um, as you're overwhelmed and the schedule's out of the control and like you had a move and all kinds of other craziness and you're sleep deprived and you already feel short on time, all of these realizations, all of that growth requires at least a tiny piece of awareness and awareness takes enough time to reflect. So that's an upside of the middle of the night feedings. Um, How can, how would you like to be encouraged? And therefore, how can we also encourage other women? How would you like to be encouraged to take those moments for awareness? I think that would be a better way through for women. Well, you know, something that I actually learned during my, my experience with miscarriages was we talked about grief and I think, there's an incredible um, empowerment in grief and there's an incredible value to it that has really helped me become a better person and to mature. Um, I am notoriously impatient. I am, um, I am very critical as a person um, and critical myself, critical of other people. Um, and it's my, that's my nature. And one of the things that I've learned through grief, like losing kids, like losing babies is what is really important. And also like realizing that I'm a human being, you know, I think a lot of times the way that I can be, or like my kind of my 
my darkness and being critical or being impatient is all sort of a mechanism of protection for myself. And so in having to be vulnerable and get exposed in that way was a way for me to learn that like, no, you're a person and it's okay for you to be soft. It's okay for you to cry. It's okay for you to be like, feel sad. It's okay for all those things to be a thing. And so I don't know why I'm crying. And so in those experiences, I've learned a lot about how to love other people in a better way and to give people a lot more grace. And so now in this experience is very similar. There's a a different type of grief, um, a grief of who you were and a grief also of expectation because when you go through this process and you really want to have this baby and then you have this baby and it's not exactly what you thought it was going to be like, there's also sadness and grief there with that. And so I think that, you know, people should look at that and not be afraid of it, not be afraid of being sad about it and not being afraid of being vocally sad about it and saying it out loud because it is a way for you to really become, I think, like a next level type person. At least that's what I feel is happening for me, which is really great. Because um, as you're, you know, you're, you have this mission of creating a safe space for women. It's like, I instinctively have started doing that as well with this experience. Like even in my gym, like I've started a mom's program and I'm trying to build that out. And it's like coming from that place of like, wow, these people, these moms, that have been a part of my gym for four years since I opened, I never really knew that they needed to be loved in this way. And now I know because I know what I would need. And so now I have the opportunity because I am growing to do something better for them. And all of that is because of grief. In my mind, it's because of the process of dying, something dying. So now something new can happen. So, you know, I think that that is something that's so undervalued and should be embraced in a way. And, and even, even furthermore, one thing that I, I learned in the process of IVF um, and, and through just our whole infertility issues was the value of speaking life into the thing that you want to happen. So with our son, you know, we, you know, we had lost multiple kids before him, as I said. And so when we finally got our, we, well, we did our, we did our embryo, you know, they, they do your insemination, they, or they don't do the insemination, they do your transfer. So you have all of your embryos and they look through all of your embryos and they tell you which ones are viable and which ones are not viable. And our, and of our, of, of our, all of our embryos, only one was viable and it was him. And, you know, when I first learned that, I remember screaming. I remember like screaming and like, and and sorrow because I expected to have more because statistically we should have had more, but we only had one. And so I knew the statistics of that being successful were not great. Um, And so I automatically went into this mode of we failed. It's not going to work. We spent all this time and all this money and put so much into wanting this to work and it's not going to work. So I had already decided in my mind that he was not going to be a thing. He was not going to be our child. So I remember calling my mom and talking to her and she said, why are you crying? You're going to have a son. And she just like spoke life into it. And then, so I let myself collect myself. And then I thought, yeah, I'm going to have a son. And then every day I wrote it down 
I'm going to have a son. I'm so happy and grateful that I am pregnant with our son. And I wrote that every single day up through our transfer. When we did our transfer, we named him. So I said, you know, this is his name. So we'll name our embryo before we transfer him so that he knows he has a name. So then he has a reason to exist. So the culmination of all that was I decided that I would put it out publicly and I would ask everybody to speak life into him. And so I made a post saying, you know, we're, you know, we're doing this transfer. It happened. And I want you guys to like, say that it's true, say that it's going to work. And in doing that, I really feel like it worked. Like, I feel like because we like decided it and we manifested it, it was, it became a thing. And he is the manifestation of that belief. So I now tell people like unequivocally, my friends who are going through infertility problems or whatever it is in their life. You know, if you want something, declare it out loud, say it, say it to anyone who will listen and don't be self-conscious about it. Like, don't let like the cynicism of the world tell you that something isn't possible. Even if it seems statistically like it's not going to work, you decide if it's going to work and you put in your heart that it's going to work and you say it out loud that it's going to work and eventually it will work. So, you know, I think that that is something that is so valuable. There's my manifestation of my speaking life into my screaming child. Um, I think if, you know, if I could say that to, to anybody, if it's moms or whatever, but like, don't let the world dictate to you what it's going to be. You dictate what your life is going to be right down to these little moments and little miracles that could happen because you never know the power of yourself until you really start exercising it. And just like put your faith into that and say that shit out loud and tell other people to say it. And also anyone around you who doesn't believe, get rid of them. They can't be, they can't be in your circle because they will hold you back. So I think those are the things that I probably learned the most in this whole process. And, you know, I want to, I want to do my best to try to impart that to other people because it was life changing for me. Wow. And I think you pretty much just answered the question I usually wrap up with, which is, you know, it's the one I emailed you. Like, I love helping women thrive rather than just living or surviving and feeling so stuck. Um, And so you just shared about how, because of your experience, like what you're doing at the mom's group at El Jefe and everything, is there anything else that you want to say about how you help women thrive or how as a new mom, you, you want to be helped? Um, you know, I am a novice at this, so I don't feel even qualified to say that I help anybody at this point because I'm still just trying to help myself, you know? Um, but I will say that, you know, I hope that people know, like if they know me or they even just know me through Facebook or whatever, if you need somebody to talk to about things that are a little bit more tenuous than, you know, cute Pinterest ideas about, you know, how to decorate a nursery or whatever. If you want to talk to somebody about like real shit and not feel judged, or if you want someone's opinion on something that maybe you do want, you want someone to maybe judge you a little bit and to to bring you, snap you back to life. I'm always available and I'm always happy to have a real conversation. And I also want to express gratitude. Um, I've been helped by so many people who don't know me, who have no business of caring about me, but who have like reached out to me over this whole process and have said some things to me that have just been profound and totally wonderful. And, you know, they, again, have no business in trying to help me, 
but they do. And I think that that is like, it's kind of one of those things that restores your faith in humanity, you know? So I think that's probably it. Which is plenty. We could dive into this all day, but um, I try to keep it to an hour and you've got to get your baby bear. Um, I just want to thank you so much, Simone, for being willing to share um, very personal things and your experience and your journey um, of becoming a mom and how that's impacted you. Oh, you guys are not even as lucky as me. I get to see the little baby bear live. Versus the waking up is so hard. It's so hard to wake up. And he never stops eating lately. So that's good. Gross spurts. Get it. Gains, right? (laughs) Gains. Okay. Well, Simone, other than, you know, Facebook or El Jefe, is there anywhere you want people to be able to connect with you? We'll link to it in the show notes. Um, you know, I think probably Facebook's the best way, but I'll also, I'll send my email and I'll also send my phone number. I don't mind, you know, people texting, whatever. Um, and if people want to get involved with our mom's fitness program that we're starting, they're more than welcome to. Um, it's really great. The moms are awesome and it's probably a really great compliment to what you're starting to. So, um, it's just another place for people to go and just be themselves. And have a girl. Well, I wish you guys nothing but blessings, and um, thank you so much for being on. I'll get this to you so you can share it out in your community, too. They should hear more from you, um, and I, like I said, I appreciate your honesty and vulnerability with everything that you shared today. Um, so thanks, you guys. Another episode of Bellies, Babies, and Birth, and we'll get back with you soon. Take care, Simone. Bye. Thank you.